0: Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. We'll meet Lisa, a 40 year old cisgender woman who describes herself as white and currently in a relationship that is heterosexual, monogamous, and long distance. She's also long been attracted to women and is considering the likelihood that she's bisexual. Lisa and I connected on Instagram a while back when her partner left a string of thank yous for me, and Lisa told me that this podcast was instrumental in getting them to explore a new aspect of their sexual relationship. This is one of my favoriteest things. Hearing from listeners who want to share their stories is the highlight of my podcast experience. So if you're listening right now and have even the slightest inkling that you might want to share yours, please do send me an email at leah at goodgirlstalkaboutsex.com and let's talk. And for today, I'm so pleased to introduce Lisa. I'm so excited to talk with you. You had contacted me on Instagram to say that something that I had said had made a difference for you, but you didn't tell me what it was or what the difference was. So I'm super excited to find out what your story is.
1: You know, I gotta keep you interested. You know, I gotta get the hook there. See, now we're talking. So
0: obviously, it works. Absolutely. And for anybody else who's listening, I love talking to listeners. So if you want to be a guest on the podcast, please do exactly what Lisa did and get in touch with me and let me know. But let's dive in with you, Lisa. Um, the first question that I ask everyone I speak with is, "What is your first memory of sexual pleasure?"
1: I would say probably um with another person it was probably about my freshman year of high school with um a high school boyfriend. I was a freshman, he was a senior, of course. You know, I couldn't go for somebody my own age. <laughs> But I would say that was the first time um, I ever experienced like sexual pleasure with someone. I had done it on my own, but probably maybe around the same time, I would say. So 14, 15, uh, somewhere around there.
0: Do you remember how you discovered, uh, when you say on your own, I assume you mean masturbation. Do you remember how you discovered masturbation?
1: Well, I'm a very big fan of the shower head.
0: Um, I
1: would highly recommend it for anyone and everyone, although you might never get out of the shower. Same. <laughs> so I don't remember, you know, which came first. Honestly, if I was like, oh, if I stimulate here, it feels really good. Or if I do it with the water, I don't know which one was first. Quite honestly, I, I, I don't remember. I know I've heard some of your uh, your great shows, and 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 people were very very young, and you know experienced uh, you know some pleasure that maybe they didn't really
0: sexually at the time. I never had that experience, just personally. Yeah. So, what was your experience like with your body as a young person? How did you interact with your body? Were you like for me? I'm not even sure I really was aware that I had a body like it was just a thing like every other thing
1: oh I was quite aware I was a gymnast growing up oh the kind of handout eating disorders along with coaching tips (laughs) yeah So certainly I was aware of it in that way. I also was very uncomfortable with the idea of, um, I did not want to have breasts, which is hilarious to me now because I have implants. (laughs) I would wear like two sports bras. I mean, I didn't have much, but I didn't want anything. I, when I got my period, I was like, what the hell? I don't want to get older. Not that I didn't want to get older. I was like, I just don't, this woman bullshit is just like not for me. I mean, not that I identified male or had the, I just was like, I was more comfortable like not dealing with any of that.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned you were a gymnast. Um, So you had to have been extremely body aware, I imagine. How did that and you sort of mentioned as a joke eating disorders, but I'm, I'm not really sure that was a joke. How did being a gymnast affect your sense of your body image uh, as a young person?
1: You know, I kind of deal with all things in my life with humor, um, death, I mean, just about anything I will try to make light of, because that's just how I deal with things that are hard. Uh, I certainly was bulimic at times. I was definitely anorexic. But the funniest thing was I didn't affect my thinking as far as, oh, does this guy think I'm attractive, whatever. I grew up and not my parents because my parents were always like, you're really smart, you're really this, you're really that. They didn't emphasize, but it would always be other people because I have, I have bright blue eyes and dark hair, which is, you know, kind of different. So, I mean, I remember from the time I was very, very young, people constantly commenting on my looks and Mm. that I was beautiful and this and that. I mean, I guess that's a better message to hear than some of the other messages that people hear. Um, So I didn't really have an issue there. It was just more my internal struggle of like trying to, you know, be as thin as, is what I thought I needed to be for gymnastics.
0: Mm. So um, were you still doing gymnastics when you started getting involved in playing around sexually?
1: Uh no, a few things happened. My mom died. Um, and then I had a pretty bad ankle injury where I ended up um having a couple surgeries on it. So it's just like a lot of, of things fell into place. Um I did do other sports after that, but I look back at pictures of myself in high school and I was extremely thin and I don't think I realized it mm-hmm. at the time, but now I'm like I don't even know how I walked on those two little legs. Like, how did they hold me up? I still had some muscle tone, but I was certainly
0: very thin, under 100 pounds when I graduated high school. Wow. Okay, so you were around 14 or 15 when you started dating, or at least when you started playing around. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So how did that start? What was your entree into that world? You know, it's just bad that I really just,
1: I mean, I had this huge crush on this guy when I was in, like, seventh grade or so, so that's kind of when, like, I guess my hormones really kicked in, but I didn't look at it as a sexual thing, but it was that first, like, holy shit, like, my stomach dropped, I was, like, ill, like, oh my, (laughs) right, so that was, like, my first sort of thing, and then, um, like, eighth grade, I just sort of was just concentrating on gymnastics and other things. Um, and then I started dating this guy my freshman year and I really, I don't know. I mean, I guess it probably progressed like anything else, you know, from kissing and to touching into just touching and more touching. <laughs> um, we never, uh, had penetrative sex. he never performed oral on me. And honestly, I don't even know if I knew like what oral was for a woman. I grew up, you know, not in the internet age, so wasn't watching <laughs> porn or anything like that. You might find like somebody's playboys around the house, not my house, but I would certainly go down on him, um, and he was good about making sure that I got off too, which is great because I know some people's first sexual experiences are are, are very bad, and I've been pretty lucky.
0: So you were you were giving him oral sex, and you were also having orgasms. Yes, that's pretty, you know, for a 14 or 15 year old, that sounds like a pretty good first experience.
1: Right? I mean, I was like, Oh, I like this. I want to keep doing <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like
0: that. That feels good.
1: And I don't even know, you know, it's funny too. I don't know that I knew that that was an orgasm. I don't know that I use that terminology. Like I knew, that I came to a certain point and whatever. I don't think it was until I was a little bit older that I kind of associated. I don't, I don't know that I ever said those words or was like, Oh yeah, he can make me come or yeah, I got off or anything like that. All I know is I felt good.
0: Yeah. So um, what you said that you didn't have penetrative sex during that first relationship, what happened next?
1: So um, the guy that I actually had that insane crush on when I was in middle school uh, actually was like, came back around and was like, oh, wow, like, I really want to date you. And we had stayed friends this whole time. So we started dating, um, probably 10th grade. And um, I ended up losing my virginity to him when I was 17.
0: So you dated for a couple of years, it sounds like. We did. And how did that relationship progress? Was he asking for penetrative sex and you held off? Was that a mutual decision? How did it work?
1: He was really good with me. I mean, um, I never felt pressured by him at all. He was my first. He was the first person that performed oral sex on me because I was kind of like, I don't know. And then he did. And I was like, oh, all right. like. I've been missing out. That he really wanted to do. And it wasn't like a pressure thing. He was just kind of like, I really think you'll like this. So, you know, we did a lot of messing around. Um, I No, I never felt pressured. In fact, the first time we attempted, I froze up and got really, really freaked out and nervous. And he had actually already started to penetrate me. I told him to stop and he did. Mm like no issue no like making me feel bad I was just like I'm not ready now ended up happening probably like two months after that anyway but I never felt pressured
0: I'm so happy for you that when you asked him to stop he did do you know what caused you to freeze up and have that response the first time
1: I don't I think I just you know we put so much weight on this whole virginity thing and I yeah think it was just like I had made it such a big deal in my head I'm like he's already got his finger like I don't know why I, I, you know it's just like high school and people talk I I really don't know and other people were having sex like 17 wasn't especially young really But I really don't know. I think I just, I just got nervous.
0: Yeah. And so when you finally ended up having penetrative sex, was it an enjoyable experience?
1: Yeah, it was. I think, um, you know, there's enough foreplay. um, And he went really slow because he didn't want to hurt me. And yeah, I mean, all around, I was very, very lucky. I was having like good sex. Uh, And then it's funny because then I went to college and I had some like not so good sex and I was like, well shit. <laughs> <I'm pretty>
0: Hi. <high. laughs> you get to college and what happens next? I had fun in college. I
1: did end up dating somebody for um, you know, for a while, but I, I, I definitely I definitely had my periods of just having fun. I mean, I don't think any different than most people when they go to college, just exploring different things and different people and, you know, just
0: enjoying being young and pretty. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned that you had some sex that was not so good. Was that during while you were playing with various people or was that when you were in a relationship?
1: I was lucky that, uh, anybody that I chose to be in a relationship with, I probably, I wouldn't stay in a relationship, quite honestly, if the sex wasn't good. Something that's very important to me, and that's something I'm willing to compromise. So there's more just, like, maybe a random this sounds really bad. Not a random person, but maybe it was like a one-off or like, Oh, maybe it was just awkward. Cause it was the first time I tried this again. And I'll just be like, sometimes it just doesn't work or they don't know what they're doing or they don't care to like, listen to you or, you know, like I had a guy bless his little heart. That's what we say down here. <laughs> um, you know, like he didn't even get his pants off and he came in his pants
0: Yeah. And it happens.
1: I wasn't like freaked out about it. I think he was way more freaked out about it than I was. But yeah, I mean, I had some good sex in college too. I had, you know, I had
0: fun. I had some relationships also though. Were you feeling good about your body, feeling good about your sexuality in general? It sounds like this was all fairly positive experiences for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, as young women, we kind of learned to trade on our, you know, sexuality or how we look. And, and yeah, I was attractive and young and basically felt like I could kind of, I, I wasn't like, I didn't have some complex like, oh, I'm better looking or I'm this or I'm that. Like, it was just like, there's so many pretty girls at college. It was just kind of like, whatever. It's not, you know, like, I'm just another one of them.
0: Mm-hmm after you finished college and moved into the quote unquote adult portion of your life, how did sexuality function for you?
1: So this was really interesting and lots of therapy later. I realized why I did what I did. I actually got married right out of college. Wow. I think I was really looking for somewhere to belong. I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere But I did get married right out of college. So uh, that was completely unexpected for me and probably everyone else. And was this someone who
0: you had been with during college?
1: Not really. I mean, towards the end of college, I had known his family since I was in high school. Um, I grew up with um, one of his siblings. So he's a little bit older than me, but I had known their family for a long time. I just didn't necessarily know him very well
0: and so how was the sex during your marriage
1: I knew how to please myself I knew what I needed to do in order to climax or orgasm so I used a lot of toys and things like that I just got to the point where I just I really wasn't interested in him in that way and I will be 100% transparent that I did have sex with a lot of other people while
0: I was married to him and he did not know Okay. So so yeah, let's dig in there. Um, so when you say you by the end you weren't interested in him, had you started out having a good sexual relationship? I mean, I think anything's good enough when it's new. It wasn't bad.
1: Like the sex was never like, oh god, this is horrible or anything like that. I just wasn't super attracted to him. He didn't have that sort of like I'm a big kind of have to have let chemistry. Um, I'm a very physical person. And I think just not having that super chemistry, it was hard. I mean, I, we stayed married for seven years. Like I said, he's a good person. Um, so it's really hard to leave a marriage when you have these expectations and then he's not, he's a great guy, but I'm just like, I'm just not there. I'm not into this.
0: Yeah. So at what point did you start seeing other people or having sexual engagements with other people?
1: Pretty early on. um, They were always just flings though. I never had like an ongoing experience with anybody. Um, My industry is such that I would be away traveling for things and that's typically when it would happen and they were usually married also. So it would just be kind of like a one-off here and there. I never carried on a long-term or even really a short-term of anything.
0: And how did that feel to you? Was it exciting? Was it, did it make you feel guilty uh, or something else entirely?
1: I definitely felt badly about it, but I've always been able to kind of separate my relationship from sex. For me, it was just sex. And yeah, I felt guilty about it, but I was just like, it's just sex. I'm not having any emotional attachment to these people.
0: And when your husband, your ex-husband found out, how did he feel about it? Did he feel that it was just sex and it didn't actually matter?
1: Well, he never really found out. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) Um, no, I mean, towards the end, the guy that I ended up marrying after him, the rebound sort of guy I had started talking to, we hadn't done anything physical, but it was definitely like an emotional affair had started and he did find out about that. And that was obviously very hurtful to him. But as far as the other stuff, I don't know that he, I mean, we certainly never really talked about it. He probably suspected
0: Mm. So, is it still true for you today? And I know we still have more story to get through, but is it still true for you today that sex is divorce or can be compartmentalized from a relationship?
1: It can be, and certainly I've had people to where that's all it is—like somebody that I just have sex with, and that's all it is, and there's no emotional attachment. But I also can do the opposite and have that emotional or relational relationship type experience while having sex. So I can kind of do both just depending on, on what the mindset is for me.
0: I think it's really important actually for people to hear that it is not abnormal to have um, this experience of being able to detach the two things, that it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't, there's nothing wrong with it. I do think it's important to clarify your relationship boundaries and your relationship agreements so that if this is something that you desire, it's being done with integrity. But the, what you're describing about being able to just go out and have the sex experience without all of the other stuff that goes along with it is totally quote-unquote normal <laughs> and not a problem at all.
1: Well, and you know what's interesting is that people are like, oh, you're like a guy. Like, that tends to be associated more with a male-type trait. And so, yes, I, I have a dominant personality, and, you know, I, people, you know, tend to think I'm a little bit intimidating, things like that. And they're like, oh, you can, you can have sex like a guy. And I'm like, no. But I will tell you, um, from the experience of my marriage and things like that, I have not cheated on somebody after that. I really messed up. I was really young. I was really dumb. And, you know, I do regret the way I handled that. So, yes, when you say it's important to establish, like... Hey, this is just sex, or this is just a friends with benefits, or whatever it is, or hey, we're in a relationship, or hey, are you sleeping with other people? Like, what are we doing? I think it's super important to establish that and to follow that and have
0: continuing conversations about it, honestly. Totally agree. I would say that just about anything is okay in a sexual relationship and a romantic relationship as long as it's on the table. And talked about and both people agree.
1: I absolutely agree and the person I'm with now we've you know been able to have different conversations that I, I never in my past would have been able to have with people and really just put it out there and then the more you communicate about things you know the less chance you have of people getting hurt the more understanding people are the more you can just really be like huh well all right I never thought about that but I can see where you're coming from.
0: Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free, and one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post, and if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex. I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus. I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing, there is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. You mentioned that you went pretty quickly, it sounds like, into another marriage. How was the sexual piece of that marriage? So, that was probably the only good part of the marriage. Oh, no. Is that why you got married? Because the
1: sex was good? I kind of went from that one extreme to the other. I did the rebound thing that a lot of us do, that you go for the complete opposite. However, you're not supposed to marry that person. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh yeah I would also say don't get married within a year of getting divorced like that's not smart but it was funny because as much as I can detach I'm like God, I'm this guy's partner and it was very the sex was very cold it was good as far as like physically but it was very very cold and and became unfortunately abusive
0: oh I'm sorry in what way
1: He was always kind of verbally and emotionally abusive after we got married. And then he really, like, tried to go into the BDSM world in an unhealthy way. I enjoy the healthy consensual things, but he actually really wanted to hurt me. And many times he did.
0: Oh, that's, I'm really sorry. When you say that you enjoy the healthy consensual aspect of it, what pieces of, because BDSM as a term covers a whole lot of territory. What for you is the part that you really enjoy?
1: You know, I'm very much into kind of spanking, being dominated in a way because I'm so dominant in the rest of my life. Um, I do like some bondage. Nothing I wouldn't say that's like so out there that people would be like, what the hell? Although some of my friends think it's weird that I like anal sex. So, I mean, what's not that out there for me and you, you know, some people are like, wait, you do what?
0: Yeah. I ask people in the Q and a portion, which we'll get to about like, what's the kinkiest thing that you enjoy. And, um, it's, uh, Part of the reason I ask it is because I know that everybody's scale of kink is so different. Something that for someone, for one person is going to be totally pushing the boundaries of what they're comfortable with is for another person going to be like, yeah, that's a Tuesday, (laughs) you know, and and anywhere in between. And a lot of people get sort of a little weirded out by that question because they're like, well, I don't think this is kinky enough to qualify. So- Yeah, I really want to, like, normalize this idea that what is kinky for us is awesome. Like, play on that edge wherever you are.
1: Absolutely. And my partner and I now have started something really interesting um, that I've never done before. I kind of discovered that the thought of him with somebody else really turned me on. Now, I don't want him to necessarily act on it, although that could be a discussion. He says he has no desire, but we continue talking but the idea of it really turns me on. We're in a long distance relationship. So many times we will go back and forth on texts of fantasies of him with somebody else. And so he'll kind of set up the scenario and we'll go back and forth about it. And it's a huge turn on for me. And it shocked the hell out, Amelia. Like I was, okay, he's a very attractive guy. So like people hit on him, right? So. I'm like, all right, why? usually I'm like kind of jealous. And and it didn't, I was like, okay, not only am I not jealous, this
0: kind of turns me on. That's fascinating. So um, I, I think it's, there's a really important distinction between what turns us on and what we actually want to do. So it, there are a lot of things that I can fantasize about that I, that turn me on that when I actually, during my period of exploration, tried them, I was like, oh no, that that's not going to work for me at all. But the idea of it still turns me on. And so I still fantasize it. And like you say, I might talk about it with my partner. And we play with the idea of it. But that doesn't mean that it's something we actually are going to do in real life. And that's awesome that the two of you have come, found this thing that works for you and that you understand what the boundaries are on it.
1: We absolutely do. I mean, there are so many things. And we discuss, and I this is from your show, so, <laughs> you know, discussing the fantasy of actually doing something in the fantasy that lives in fantasy world. And that's kind of how we discuss things. This is the fantasy that stays fantasy. This is the fantasy that maybe we want to explore and see what we can do with this. And I really, like, so I took this trip. I just started listening to your podcast. And and she didn't pay me to say this, by the way, people. (laughs) But I took this trip And all I did was listen to your podcast because I just discovered it from another podcast that you were a guest on. And I just started writing these lists of what are my desires? What are my fantasies? What do I like? What do I want to do? Like, what am I into? And so really just going back down that path to where I'm always like had good sex but then you know like let's let's think of like what the fuck do I want out of this like yeah great like the guy's gonna get off we all know that and I'm worried about their pleasure but let's be honest they're a little simpler than we are in (laughs) in terms of (laughs) functionality but it was just more for me like all right how do we spice this up And, and not even spice it up just like you know, we, cause we had dated for, um, over a year and we broke up for almost a year and then we have gotten back together. So we just talk about, he's like, you're different. <laughs> he's like, he's like, ah, this is all. That's why I think he even commented on my post on your Instagram. He was like, thank you.
0: Yes. Like, <laughs> he like, did it was a whole string of thank yous <laughs> that caught my attention
1: <laughs> right and he was like what the hell are you doing on that vacation I was like well shit I was sitting on a ship listening to podcasts when we were at sea and just honestly like really making I'm not kidding you I'm a list maker I took my phone out and I just started in my notes, like, writing down all these things. And that's when I was like, oh, that's how I came to the, like, okay, it doesn't just, like, turn me on. It doesn't just, like, okay, that's cool that, like, other women hit on him. I'm like, mm, next level. Like, it would turn me on to think about him with somebody else. Although, again, that's the fantasy that we fantasize about, but haven't acted on him. Probably, probably won't.
0: Are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality? Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think it makes sense, but I need help applying it to my particular situation? That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There is no single answer that's right for everyone, so I'm going to help you discover what's right for you. And we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating and exhausting. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM exploring consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring your sexuality for later-in-life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life, and together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your discovery call, visit LeahCarry.com forward slash coaching. That's com forward slash coaching. So, how did you get brave enough to admit that to yourself?
1: I mean, I guess I was just kind of at the point like, there's nothing to lose here. it was just surprising to me because I've always felt a little possessive in, in normal, normal relationship in my, in my other relationships. I don't feel that way with him. And I, it's not for lack of love or caring about him or anything like that, because we have a great relationship. And maybe that's what it is, is that I do feel so free with him that we can have these conversations and have these fantasies and have these, mutual sessions on the phone or whatever it is, and know that that's where it stays. And he's super like it turns
0: him on that it turns me on. Oh, that's the best. Yeah. So how do the two of you navigate having a long distance relationship? Do you do a lot of sexting or phone sex or video sex? Like how do you maintain that sexual connection?
1: Well, we send porn back and forth all day long, not lying. (laughs) Well, it's fun to, like, see something and then send it to the other person and be like, hey, this really, like, turned me on. I got off to this or whatever. But, yeah, we sex throughout the day. We are both very physical people, and, like, that's very important to us. So, yeah, I mean, we just keep that conversation going. And then when he comes to visit... We have probably like more sex than a lot of people have in a
0: year, maybe like in a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> How often do the two of you see each other? Um, it depends once or twice a month, usually. Okay. When you come together after a period of apart, is there a period of like having to get to know each other and get to know each other's bodies again? Or do you just dive right back in and it's natural?
1: Okay, so, like, half the time I will answer the door naked.
0: (laughs) Yep, so,
1: no, we're good. Like, we're usually, like, so ready to just rip each other's clothes off.
0: And do you expect this relationship to remain a long-distance relationship, or do you hope at some point to be in the same city?
1: Uh, No, he's, he's making plans to make that happen in the future, so you know, that'll happen. Um, I need to take it slowly as far as like, a he's not going to move in right away or anything like that. Because just after coming out of an abusive marriage, even though that was five years ago or so, my space is so sacred to me. And I don't mean that in a weird way. It's just like, I'm so protective of my space because it is my own space. And I haven't had that pretty much ever because I went from college to being married to being married to somebody else. So this is my house. This is my stuff. If I want to come home and watch four hours of my murder documentaries, um, no one has shit to say about it. (laughs) So the thought of having somebody here and living with somebody again is sometimes a little bit hard to think about, but I'm just going to have to be really good about saying, hey, I need my alone time or I need to go with my friends. My friends are super, super, super important to me. So, you know, just making sure that even though if we share the same space that I still have space, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. My partner and I, we've been together for about a year and a half and we have not moved in together yet, although it's been a topic of conversation for a while and we have agreed That at whatever point we do, we will maintain two bedrooms. We will sleep together four or five nights a week, but we will still have the option to spend a couple of nights a week separate because we're both people who need some alone space. And it's nice, like you said, to be able to just turn on the TV and watch whatever you want and just have that space to do that. And I think that's really, really healthy. And a lot of people would hear, oh my God, you sleep in separate bedrooms sometimes? That's like the end of the world. And it's just about finding what really works for you and for your partnership. You have a a teenager and another one who's coming up. How do you want your kids to view sex and how do you talk to them about sex?
1: So at this point I am super clinical about it. I'm like, and this I, ever since they were small children, I've been like, this is a, this is a penis. This is a vagina. This is the, you know, I've been very like, I don't like the, like, the cutesy nicknames and, and, and that's just me. That's not anybody else's deal. I just have been very much, you know, I don't, if they walk in and I am naked, I'm naked. Like it's a natural human thing. So um, with my older son, you know, I'm very much, like, I'll trap him in the car because, like, who wants to talk to their mom about this? But, you know, I talked to him, you know, about, about condoms and, like, about the responsibilities that come along with having sex with somebody. People don't explain the female body at all. Like, I didn't freaking know, like... My favorite episode of Orange is the New Black is the one where they're like, oh, there's three holes. <laughs> so many women, it's like, they think they pee where they, it's like, no, there's a urethra, there's, you know, your vaginal opening, and then there's your anus. So, yeah, there's a lot going on down there. And um, the schools just suck. I mean, the schools just don't really do anything. So, I mean, like a lot of it's anatomy, you know, I'm like, okay, so the uterus, that's where the baby is and the cervix and the, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I haven't like really delved in too much to like the pleasure part of it. I don't know. I want them to be positive about it. I talk a lot about consent um you know with my older son uh actually with both of them because my younger son doesn't like to be touched in general without his consent which actually has been a good lesson for our whole family yeah can I kiss you can I hug you you know and I and I and you know unfortunately in this age of digital technology I'm having conversations with my son like hey if a girl sends you a picture or you get a picture forwarded or whatever it is You come to me right away because that's child pornography and you can be charged even if you're just in possession or if you forward it, certainly you're distributing it. So these are the kinds of conversations that I'm having to have. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. It's a hard time. I am so grateful I grew up before the digital age and I, I don't envy parents who are having to deal with all of this. It's so hard. I think
1: because, you know, obviously we know that their brains aren't developed yet and you've got those impulses and, you know, you have things like Snapchat and whatever. And these things that people think that I'm like, I tell my kids, I'm like, if it's on the Internet, if it's sent, whatever it is, it is out there forever. You can never take that back. So, you know, just trying to make sure they're very careful about what they're putting out there. I mean, look at these politicians. You see something from 20 years ago or whatever it is, you know, coming back to bite them in the ass. It's like, don't do anything that you don't want your mother to see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the rule that I have made for myself and, and I'm not one to share naked pictures to even take naked pictures or anything like that. But the rule that I have made for myself, because I did work for a newspaper and I saw how we dealt with social media was if I wouldn't want to see it on the front page of tomorrow's newspaper, I don't post it.
1: And that's exactly um, actually a very, like probably one of the best lessons I was told in college was if you don't want it posted, don't take a picture of it in the first place. Now, I will tell you that my partner and I very much enjoy sending those sorts of things back and forth, but that's something between us. But I have been burned by it. My ex-husband posted pictures of me Mm. that are out there somewhere. And I just kind of had to say, you know what? It is what it is. Um, As far as I know, my name's not attached to it. It's never come up that anyone has found that I know of. But you kind of just have to be okay. It's like, if I send this, there is a possibility that other people are going to see this.
0: I'm popping in quickly before we start the lowdown to remind you to register for the 5% Braver group coaching program right now. All of the information is at LeahCarry.com forward slash brave. And the first three people who enter the coupon code good girls pod will get $25 off their registration fee. So go do it now. Do you prefer the orgasm from masturbating or from sex with another person? Sex with another person. How is it different for you? I feel like it's
1: a utility situation a lot of times. It's like, um, sometimes I just need a release or like we've been sexting and whatever. I don't know, not being in control of it a hundred percent. I don't, he's very sexy to me. Um, yeah, having another participant is just preferable to me. Don't get me wrong. I can get myself off very quickly, you know, with toys or whatever it is, but um, I, w- I would certainly pick sex if I had to pick.
0: Sure. Are there sexual things you've tried that you never want to do again? Hmm. That's a good question. I
1: thought with my current that I would not want to have anal sex with him. I have enjoyed it in the past, but um, my partner is very large. And I thought that that would be too painful So we started playing with some toys and things like that. And turns out, like, yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, I would just say, like, anything that crosses the boundary of not feeling consensual or uh, with my ex when he tried to use the sort of BDSM as an excuse to, like, really hurt me and, and do those sorts of things, that wouldn't be something that I would do again.
0: Sure. Have you ever faked an orgasm? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Under what circumstances? Under the circumstance that
1: I'm like, this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. I mean, there have been times when I've been, I have a hard time if I am like very drunk, um, which, you know, happens from time to time. um, I have a hard time orgasming. But like with my partner, um, I'll just be like, yep, it ain't happening. And he knows like if I drink too much or like whatever, we're all, you know, it's not, we've, we've really talked a lot about like climax doesn't always have to like be the be all end all in sex we can still enjoy it and just not get there dude sometimes when I'm masturbating I'm like I don't think this is gonna happen it feels good but you know I don't fake with him um but yeah certainly I have in the past just to like kind of get it over with
0: Lisa, we've done it. Thank you so much. This has been an absolutely amazing conversation. Thank you. So, first of all, thank you for getting in touch. <laughs> and thank you for being willing to go down all these paths with me. Well, I do like going down. <laughs> Sorry,
1: I can't resist. I'm like, I seriously, I am like a little teenager. <laughs> I'm like, I have the mind of a 17-year-old boy when it comes to sex. Um, no, this has been so fun and I've been so looking forward to it.
0: That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash talk about sex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash GoodGirls talk about sex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Good Girls Talk for more sex-positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco transcripts are produced by Jan Osiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcary.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life.